Blog Talk Radio. Clap your hands, everybody. Come on. If God's been faithful, then sing along with us. Everybody say faithful. 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 Faithful, faithful, is, faithful our is our God. Come on, all over the world. Faithful. Hey, faithful. Faithful, 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 faithful is our God. Come on, say faithful. 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 Faithful is our God. Yes, He is. Come on, say faithful. Faithful. Faithful is our God. I'm reaching the harvest. Take that what the devil stole from me. And I rejoice today. I shall recover it all. Yes, I rejoice today.
Good evening, everybody. This is God's Hour of Truth. I'm your host, Evangelist Prophet Ed Eberle. Uh, I'd like to welcome everybody tonight uh, here in the United States, around the world. I have a message tonight really for everybody. This message is going to really involve people that no matter what you're going through, what we're going to be speaking about, the person we're going to be speaking about tonight was probably worse off than anybody can imagine. But through the Lord, he made it through, and God bless him. And we're going to learn just what he did in order to make it. Before we uh, get into the word, let's uh, ask the Lord just to bless this meeting tonight, this service, okay? Let's just ask God to bless it. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you and praise you for being here tonight to be able to share your word. Father, I know that you have a word for everybody tonight. And, Lord, it be not only a word of encouragement, but a word of direction, a word of hope, Father, that people can get back on track, that they can go forth, that they can go forth with the trust and a knowing that they're going to make it, Father. Father, I just ask that you would just give me the words to say tonight. Let your anointing flow through these lines here, Father, to, to set free, to save, to heal, to deliver, Father, Whatever the need might be, Lord, by faith, I just release your anointing into these air ways right now that you would just touch the people, Father. Touch them for your glory, Father. Touch them for your glory. Now, Father, just give me the words to say. Bless this, this short time together. And, Father, for everything that's accomplished, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And they all said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Tonight... I gave the message a title called God's Way of Recovering All. And this message is about David. David, when he came back to Ziglag. And we're going to be just taking three scriptures tonight I'm going to be reading from. But we're going to, we're going to start out just what was going on. Uh, David had just gotten back from a battle, he and his men. And they returned back to their hometown where their families were and everything. And to come back. They saw everything completely burned down, ruined, and their wives, their family, their children were not there. It just, just a waste, just a wasted area. So when his men come back, he saw that, and they saw that, and, of course, everybody was downhearted when they saw that. But it was really worse for David because his men became very angry, and they were talking about stoning him to death. So not only was he downhearted in things that had hit him, but what happened he was facing death. Now, that just was where he was at those very minutes. Being discouraged by what happened to him, he was facing being killed by his own men. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to First uh, Samuel chapter 30 at verse 6. We're going to read verse 6. Matter of fact, uh, you can read the whole chapter of First Samuel chapter 30, and that gives the account of everything. But I've taken these three verses out because it's really the meat of the subject here. We're talking about how David got the victory over this situation in his life. So we're going to start with First Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. The city was burned down, families taken captive, and the men were talking about stoning him. Now, this scene would be about as desperate a scene as you could ever be in. That's why this message, no matter what you're facing tonight, you're going to see that your situation, your circumstance is not too big or too great for God. All things are possible with God, and we're going to see that through this situation here. But there's three things that David did that you and I have to do when we're facing obstacles, whether they're big obstacles, small obstacles, or whatever it might be, any challenge that comes our way. It wasn't a problem that David faced. He was facing challenges of what to do in the state that he was in, you see. We are challenged as men and women of God. If we're following Jesus Christ, we are challenged. We're challenged about our faith. What does our, what God's word say about the circumstances, the situation we we're in? That's what we're challenged about because God has an answer in the Bible for everything that comes our way. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And anyhow, with all the things that he has given to us, we have an antidote to get out of the thing. We have a chance to get the victory over it. It cannot bring us down. We use the word of God to overcome it. 
But do we use the Word of God? Are we standing on the Word of God? Are we walking in the Word of God to receive it, you see? The answer and the promise is there that Jesus gave us through his Word. But it's up to you and I to apply it. So let's see what, first of all, in this verse right here, in verse 6, we have an answer right here that is really, it began with this right here. It said, David encouraged himself. Now, there wasn't any minister there, there wasn't any uh, priest there, there wasn't anybody there to help him, but he encouraged himself. You and I need to learn to encourage ourselves when adversity comes our way. We can't always go to the pastor, we can't always go to the friend or the man or woman of God there to talk to. Perhaps we're by ourselves or without even a Bible in our hands, but what do we do, you say? We have to encourage ourselves, it must begin with that. So we need to encourage ourselves that, hey, God is bigger than this problem. God is going to take care of this for me. He's going to show me what to do. He's going to show me what to do. He encouraged himself. Now, it would been very easy, instead of encouraging himself, it would be very easy just to take him off running, that hopefully if these men wouldn't catch him and kill him, or just really crack up and just kind of flip out or commit suicide. Whatever, there's different options he could have taken would have destroyed him, what the devil wanted him to do, you see. But David didn't fall into that type of a trap. He he was in the worst situations you could possibly be in, but yet in spite of the circumstance and situation, he encouraged himself. He looked to the Lord. He knew that he could not do anything about it. He knew it was over his head. It was impossible, and he just couldn't possibly do anything about it. But he encouraged himself in the Lord, you see. We must encourage ourselves in the Lord, not run from the Lord when things happen to us and run the other way and just kind of uh, hide under the uh, bed sheets right there and just cover ourselves up and just want to forget about it, just duck our head under the uh, sand and want to get away from it. But we must face the thing, you see. And he had faced it. He faced it by encouraging himself, first of all, at the very beginning. So that began for him. He was on the right track there, you see. Okay. Let's look at verse 8. And David inquired at the, Lord, at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Now let's read that again. David inquired at the Lord. In other words, David asked the Lord. He said, Lord, what should I do? That's what inquiring means. What should I do, Lord? First of all, I encourage myself in you, Lord. Now, Lord, what am I to do in this situation? What am I to do? And the Lord told him. He said, pursue. Because if you pursue, he said, you will surely overtake them, the ones that, that, that took their family and destroyed the city where they lived in, in the Ziglag. And he said, you will overtake them, and you will recover all without fail. He said, you'll get it all back. But he said, you have to pursue them, he said. So, he inquired what to do of the Lord. The Lord said, pursue. Now, the first Samuel 30, verse 19. And this is the result of the whole thing there. Remember, he encouraged himself. What should I do, Lord? The Lord said, I want you to do this, and this was to pursue him, you see. Now, maybe in your circumstance, it won't be to pursue it. It'll be to do something else, but he'll give you the step to take. It's going to give you the victory in whatever you're challenged with. Okay, it says in 19, verse 19, it says, There was nothing lacking to them, neither small or great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoiled nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. David recovered all. He got it all back. He got it all back. Now, I want to say this. If David wouldn't have, uh, first of all, encouraged himself to begin with and then asked the Lord what to do, found out from the Lord what to do, and then did it. Not only found out what he needed to do, but he pursued. He went to fight to take it back. If he would not have done that, David would not have recovered all. He would have lost all, you see. And our victory in life, we're challenged in life, okay? And when we're challenged in life, our victory in life, we have to walk this way in order to be victorious because if we run the other way or don't pursue, we don't ask the Lord or we don't encourage ourselves, we just do our own thing. We just kind of divorce ourselves from God because we're in a situation, we're upset, we don't know what to do, we're worried. So instead of turning to God, we turn from God, you see. And unfortunately, a lot of people do that. And if the enemy can get you to do that, he's got you, you see. He knows if you go to God like David, and he knows he can't, he's not going to win. 
But if he knows he can get you off track and get you afraid, worried, and cause you to have a nervous breakdown or even commit suicide, as some people do, or have a heart attack or destroy you in any way he can, he'll do it. He'll make life miserable for you if you allow him to. But when you turn to God, encourage yourself in him, and then you ask him what to do and let him direct your step, and you take the step that he told you to do, you're going to come out a winner. That happens every time, not 99 out of 100 times, but 100 out of 100 times. Because for it not to happen, we follow God would mean that God made a mistake, that God failed, and God doesn't fail or make mistakes, you see. So it's up to you and I to get in contact with God and trust him with these things. Okay, when we read these three verses, we saw that God, well, first of all, he came to a place of horror. When he, first, when he first started the, the message tonight, it was a horrible place that he was in there with his family gone, uh, didn't know if they were alive or dead. They were captured. The, his home, was, everything was destroyed. His men were going to kill him. He was in one of the worst positions you could be in. But yet, at the very end, he got it all back. So he was at zero to begin with. But he went from zero to 100, didn't he? And those three things I just mentioned right there, he encouraged himself. He didn't turn away from God. He turned to God. Then he inquired of God what to do. And then he found out what God told him to do, and he did it. And that, it's really that simple, folks. It's really that simple. If we don't allow our emotions to take a hold of us and drive us the other way. Too many times people leave their emotions, cause them to overcome in circumstances and situations that come their way or in challenges. They face them by their emotions, not by the word of God, you see. And we all have emotions. You cannot stop your emotions. It's impossible. Emotions are normal. But where the wrongness is and the sin is, if we give in to our emotions and don't do what the Bible tells us to do, if we do what we feel like doing, what we think like doing or whatever, when we act and react on our emotions, we're always wrong, you see. That's why when things come our way, we have to stop. What does the word say to do in this situation? We need to stop and turn off those emotions for a minute. In other words, hold, hold, hold it, hold the emotions. I'm not going to give them to you. I'm not going to do what I feel like doing, what my emotions are telling me to do, but what does the word say about this? And when we get the words, that's inquiring of God, and we inquire of God, we see what to do, and we do it, then we're going to have victory like David did. So how did he get from zero to 100? That was, that was the answer. Now, we have to realize something in life. We have to realize something in life, first of all. And many people miss it here. They're, they're, they're kind of shell-shocked when it happens. But, you know, challenges come to God's faithful men and women of, of God that are serving him to everybody. In fact, the Bible says in Psalms 34:19 that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Many afflictions, many things come our way. We cannot stop that. We've seen that happen to the apostles. We've seen it happen to Jesus. Things attacked him. Circumstances attacked him. You can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from landing in your hair. We can't stop circumstances from going around things happening and things happening in our life in a realm that are negative that come our way. They're negative, but yet how are we going to act and react when these circumstances come our way? What are we going to do? We're going to use the word of God, or we're going to just go what we feel like doing live by our emotions. So don't be surprised when challenges come your way to challenge you. You could be doing a great work in the Lord, and then all of a sudden things go south on you. What in the world's happening here? I'm Lord, I'm serving you. I'm doing wonderful things for you. You're using me in a mighty way. Now look what's happening to me. Well, you're being attacked by the enemy because he doesn't like what you're doing, you see. Now, how are you going to deal with him? Are you going to deal with him by your emotions? Are you going to deal with him in the name of Jesus? First of all, rebuke him and cast him out in Jesus' name, and then apply the word of God to what you're doing, you see. You cast him out. You have authority over him. And Luke 10, 19, and 20 says we have the authority over spirits, the spirits, the evil spirits. We have that authority. We cast them down. We break their power. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that we're to cast down all thoughts and imaginations, that come against the word of God and just cast them down. We don't entertain thoughts and feelings that come our way or are negative. For if we do, what's going to happen, it's going to become bigger than God. Therefore, then we're going to be acting upon our emotions. But you have to stop things that are not by God's word 
in the name of Jesus by the authority that God has given you because a greater one is in you. And First John 4, 4, it says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The greater one's within you, so you have to use that power he's given you. He's in you, you see. He's through you. He's backing you up. You're not facing things by yourself. So often the enemy will try to make you think that you're facing affliction and things by yourself, but no, the Holy Ghost is within you. Your, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God teaches us. And 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, he, we're the temple. This body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, so we have him within us. We have the power of God within us, the Word of God in the name of Jesus, and we have all heaven backing us up. So all we do is use that word, speak that word. That's what Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness. He didn't answer the devil when the devil was talking to him by his own words, or he used, thus saith the Lord, the word of God, to see what the, what the word said. And we didn't have a Bible. The Bible wasn't there then at that time, but he used God's word, a manuscript of things like that. In Hebrew, he spoke those things, you see. So we can't be surprised or disappointed when we're doing a, a wonderful work for God, whether it's a great work, small work, or whatever, because it rains on the just, it rains on the unjust, but it's how you and I deal with it. So challenges do come. It's inevitable. But we have to learn how to deal with those challenges and overcome those challenges instead of them overcoming us. Okay? The next thing, you and I have to be a self-encourager, a self-encourager. The Bible tells in Psalms 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I will not sin against thee. You know, it's very important that you learn God's word. Now, maybe you can't uh, quote it verse by verse and quote verses and know a lot of things like that. But, thing it tells you right here, hide it in your heart. Your mind, your heart is a computer. In fact, your mind's a computer. And that's why it's so important we read the word and meditate upon the word because we get it in there. That way, when we have need of it, it comes up. It comes up, you see. What isn't in there won't come up. So that's why it's important that we study to show ourselves approved. Study to show ourselves approved and meditate upon that word. Get it in your heart because you won't only just quote it and, and know it in that sense, but you will know and you'll know that you know that you know that, hey, this is going to give me the victory no matter what you face. If you don't have it in your heart, if you just have it in your head, you can quote it, but it won't stick with you when you face a challenge. You've got to have it within you that, hey, this word says this, that's it. I have it, and I refuse to worry. I refuse to be fearful because I have that word in my heart. Thus saith Lord, by his stripes I'm made whole, and I'm made whole. I won't accept anything less in Jesus' name. You have to have that kind of an attitude by the word of God because God's word does not lie. He said the promises of God are yes and amen or yes and so be it because amen means so be it. And if we have a right heart, right motives in our heart, we're living for the Lord, by faith we can claim what the Word of God says, and it will happen. It won't maybe happen, but it will happen. Sometimes miraculously, sometimes it's a point of time. That's why we leave patience, like it says in James 1.4, let patience have a perfect work that you'll lack in nothing. So therefore you have patience and still believe it's going to happen no matter what you're feeling or saying. And the bottom line to that, with after faith and patience, is simply trust. In other, in other words, when you use your faith and your patience towards something, whether it's a physical healing, provisions, or whatever you're seeking of God, then you trust God. Hey, this is coming. I've got it. I trust him for it. That's it. I'm not worried about it because it's a done deal. It's a done deal. And then go, go on about your way. But we have to take it as a done deal when we pray because when we pray and release our faith, it begins in heaven. It already began. But if we start speaking negative words and thinking negatively and speaking negatively and, and uh, start asking for it again and again, we lose it, you see. That's how the enemy steals from us. He brings fear and things that are the opposite of what we prayed for to make us think we didn't get it. And if we believe those lies where they are or lies, he knows we're on the right track, but he's getting us off that track if he can. Well, you get off that track and he stole it from you. So that's why you have to remain solid, standing on the word and firm in the word till the manifestation comes forth in your life. And that's what that's about, you see. So we encourage ourselves. We encourage ourselves, we said, uh, of the Lord right there. Hide that word in our heart that it's within us deep. That way, when we're attacked, we aren't just uh, fumbling around and saying, oh, Lord, Lord, help me, help me, Lord, help me, help me. 
And that's the problem with a lot of people. You know, they're not prepared. They haven't read the word. They haven't studied it. It's not within their heart. And then when something does hit, it's major. They fall apart and say, oh, Lord, give me faith. Help me to believe it. Help me to believe it. Help me, help me, Lord. And it's too late then. We have to be prepared, you see, folks. We need to be prepared. There's not enough Christians that are prepared. There's very, very surface. A lot of Christians are surface, know very little about faith, know very little about uh, patience and really trusting God and uh, meditating on his word and making it part of their lives. They just think it's a going to church on Wednesday and Sunday and paying tithes and, and shaking hand with the preacher. But we are to take the Bible and the scriptures in God's word and live out those scriptures, apply them to our lives. He said, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. So that word is there for you and I to work out, you see, to apply it, to make it a reality in our lives, not just something we can quote or we hear the preacher preach or, or something that uh, that uh, you've heard somewhere or you can, you've seen it or what have you, but it needs to be a reality to you. You should be able to relate in your life to what the Bible says and give testimony of it. You can say, well, Yes, I did this, and that happened. Yeah, I did that, and that happened. You see, we should be able to testify of a working God in our lives, you see. And that comes through experience and time. But that experience and time means nothing unless we are applying that Bible to our lives, that word to our lives, and walking in that word. We must be making it a part of our lives, you see. And it's a personal relationship. And as we do that, the Lord's going to become more real to us that, hey, there really is a God. And, hey, that word really is true. Hey, it really works, you see. But if you don't work it, it won't work. You work the word, it'll work. Okay? A self-encourager. So it's very important that you hide that word within your heart. Very important. It's all important because you can't rely on people because you can have a, a friend that believes everything, a strong man or woman of God. They believe things, and they really encourage you. But when you're facing something there, you're not going to be able to face it strong upon their faith. You need to have it within you, you see. It's a personal thing. You need to have that faith within you. You can't depend on your pastor, your friend, your mom, your dad, husband, your wife, whatever the case might be. You can't depend on them to live your life for you and do the things for you, you see. A lot of times it's people that are 50 years old, they expect uh, maybe mom and dad to tie their shoestrings. Like a fellow, a man would, would expect his father to tie his shoestrings for him when he's 50. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? But many times Christians are that way. They expect things that are just as ridiculous, maybe many, many years in the Lord, and they still haven't matured enough, you see. There's many baby Christians that have been 30 years saved, but yet never went anywhere. So it's very important that you and I get into that word and walk in that word and make it a part of our our lives, you see. Okay, the next thing, an inquiring of the Lord, not just in bad circumstances or situations, dire times like David did here, but, you know, you and I daily need to inquire of the Lord. What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you have for me? Give me this day my daily bread. What do you have for me to do? I want to do what you want me to do. I want to walk the walk that you want me to do. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to live how you want me to live. I don't want to live what I'm feeling, what I think, or what I want to do, but I give my life to you. Just take over my life and help me to live the way you want me to live. The Bible says in 1 John 2.13, that God that works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. And we need to give him the good pleasure of giving ourselves to him. Because he owns us, folks. He created us and he owns us. And it's very, very, very important that we serve him. Because what we do on this earth is the record that's going to go to heaven, you see. First of all, we have to know Christ as our Lord and Savior and be living for him to make the rapture or go to heaven when we pass away, which one ever occurs first. We need to have that. But the things that we do on this earth, how we live and what we did unto Jesus and how we served him, the works that we did is what we get rewarded on in heaven. And if we go to heaven, no works. We never want anybody to Jesus. We didn't testify of things. We didn't maybe teach somebody something somewhere. We didn't encourage somebody. Whatever the situation would be, it doesn't have to be major things like preach around the world or, or give somebody a million dollars or something like that. But maybe somebody needed a, a prayer or they needed a word of encouragement. Maybe somebody needed to be taken to the grocery store. Uh, maybe somebody needed to be witnessed to about Jesus. 
Are you doing the works that are, are before your life? Are you really concerned that you're actually obeying the Lord and doing things that you know he wants you to do? And then when you do them, there's such a wonderful feeling in your spirit inside, and you know that you're pleasing God. Because if you start to follow him like that, you'll know he is real and he wants you to do things. And actually, the way you sense inside, you want to do all the more because you can't. It's the greatest thing in the world. It's the greatest sensing experience you can have in serving and giving to other people. There isn't anything greater than that. The only thing that will be greater, of course, will be heaven. But there's nothing like being more blessed to give than receive, giving out to others. And I'm not talking just materially. I'm talking about our lives, being willing to help people, to minister to people. They call you. They have a need. You're sharing with them. You're praying with them. Are you willing to do things? Are you willing to be a witness for Jesus Christ and do the things like Jesus did? He said, the things that I do, so shall we do even greater things. And I'm not just talking about the miracles and the power of God, deliverance, healing, casting out devils. I'm talking about uh, ministering to people, loving people, encouraging people, too. It's a, it's a full course, being kind to people, being kind to people. It's, it's, a, it's a thing of many facets, you see. But when we let God have our lives, he'll lead us into these things, and we just apply and do the things that we know we're to do when we come into situations that require those things, you see. And that's why we need the word of, to know the word of God, because then we'll know what to do, how to do it, and we'll learn, you see. It's a growing process, folks, but you've got to get started somewhere. I started this many, many years ago, way back in 1970, and I was afraid of it. I admit it, because I saw a great big Bible, and, and I thought, wow, how can I learn this? How can I know all this? But uh, I asked the Lord, first of all, I said, I, I was saved after ten and a half months, and I said, Lord, I said, I, I ask you, I just give myself to completely to you. I give myself completely to you because my life was ten and a half months of up and down like a yo-yo. And I said, Lord, I need the power to live for you. So I give myself completely to you. Now I ask you to give me the power to live for you. And he did that. He baptized me in the Holy Ghost. And when he baptized me in the Holy Ghost, I won't even go into the whole thing. I've, I've had messages on the program where I've taught on this, all these things. But I'll say this to you. My life changed back in 1971, ten and a half months after I got saved, when I allowed God to really take over my life. And he's done that ever since, and that's been 49 years ago, almost 50 years ago. And it really works, folks, but you've got to give it to him, you see. You can't live your life. You can't control your life because it doesn't work. But when you put your hands in the hands of the Lord, it works and then some. So we inquire of the Lord because what do you want? Not what I want. Not my will, but your will, like Jesus said in Gethsemane. Not my will, Father. I don't really want to go to the cross. I don't want to go through the pain that he went through. Who would want to go to the cross like Jesus did and suffer as he did? But he said, nevertheless, not what I want, but it's what you want, Lord. And that's how you and I have to be. We have to have that kind of an attitude 24-7, 24-7, because that's what you call dying yourself. You know, the Bible says that we're to reckon ourselves dead, right? And we reckon ourselves dead by choosing to go the pathway God wants us to do in spite of what we feel like doing or feel not like doing, you see. In other words, we say no to self. Saying no to self, when you say no to self, the more you get of God. The less we say no to ourselves, the less we have of God, you see. So it's being selfless, living for him, you see. And believe me, he can take care of your life better than you can. So when you give your life to him, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you in Matthew 6.33. So I have learned, if I try to take care of myself, I mess it up. But when I allow him to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added on to you, all these things, then I see he can do a better job for my life and in my life and through my life then I can do it. So all I have to do is follow him and do what he wants me to do. He said, Ed, he said, you do what I tell you to do, what I want you to do, and I'll take care of your life physically, financially, mentally, you name it, I'll take care of it. But he said, you follow me, you do what I want you to do. That's the name of it, you see. That's what we must do. That's not an option. We don't just do things whenever uh, we have a special need. Lord, uh, my name's Jimmy. What you got to give me? Or, hey, I have a special need here, Lord, help me. And that's the way a lot of people are. They just want God when they're in dire situations, tragedies, and things like that. But God wants us 24-7 all the time. In fact, the hardest time to serve God is when everything is going great. 
because people get really dependent on themselves. They want to live what they want to live and do what they want to do. And I don't need you, Lord. I'm healthy. I got money. Everything's doing great. But whenever things aren't so good, oh, Lord, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, you say. So we need to serve God. Okay. Next thing, God reveals himself to us in His in our weaknesses. You ever have people say, I'm weak? You know, they'll say that they're weak. But you know something? We're not weak. I want, I want to tell you something, just, and just think about this. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Apostle Paul said this to the Corinthians. So he said, when I'm weak, Jesus said, my perfect, my my power, I'm made perfect. Your, my strength made perfect in you at your weakest times. So where you're weak, Paul, my strength made perfect in you, so you're no longer weak. In other words, I'm picking you up. You're strong in that area. Just like myself, I used to never want to be in front of an audience and much less speak or preach or teach. I would play hooky from school to get out of it. We had public speaking. I hated that. I really did. But now I get up before people, whether it's on radio, TV, or church, or whatever thing is, and I love to do it. That's what I'm called to do. So his strength is made perfect in my weakness. I had a weakness of inferiority around people. I did. But now I have a boldness before people because I like to get out there and do it, you see. Is that me? No, no. God's strength made perfect in the weakness that I had. Now I'm no longer that way. They even said Billy Graham was that way. He was very mild-mannered and just kind of wasn't very forward, but look what Billy Graham was. Look how God used that man over all those years. So you see, his strength was made uh, perfect in Brother Billy Graham's life too, wasn't it? So we have to recognize that his strength made perfect in my weakness and your weakness. So therefore, you know, the Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong, right? So according to this verse here, if you're weak in an area, give it to God, and he'll take that weak area and make it your strong area. And every area that you know you're weak in. So if you do that with every area you're weak in, what's ultimately going to happen? You'll have no weakness, right? In other words, say you had four things that you're weak in, and you give each one of them to God, and he said, my strength's made perfect in that weakness. I'm going to help you in that, son. Okay, you give that to him, he does it. Therefore, let the weak say I'm strong, because, hey, I don't have any more weak areas, you would say, you see. Because that's why he tells us, said, let the weak say I'm strong, because, hey, I'm there with you. He says, I'm going to make that weak area strong if you just give it to me. He says, give it to me, and I'll make you strong. But too often we hold on to ourselves, and we try to do something ourselves with it, and that just doesn't work out, folks, because we don't have it within us. Power of might, Zechariah 4, 6 says, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Jesus said, without me, you can't do anything. So we have to get to the place. We know that we can't do anything, but, Lord, I'm trusting you for this. I'm asking you, and I'm believing for this, and I'm going to walk in this thing is what your word says, and you're going to help me with this. When you get to that place taking his word like that and you dare to step out to do it, it's going to work for you, you see. You ask him for it, and then you believe that you have it, and then you start to walk in it, just walk out in it. And you'll see it's during that time that these things happen. I've had times that I didn't feel like, preaching, teaching, or anything. I, I was just about collapsed, you know, just exhausted. But yet I would get there to minister, and I felt like a million dollars. And that's because of the anointing of God, you see. He, said, he says, uh, those that wait upon the Lord, he'll renew their strength. They'll rise up as wings of eagles. That's Isaiah forty thirty one. And those that wait upon the Lord doesn't mean you're sitting there with your arms folded. It means you're keeping active. In the midst of your activity, it's like a second wind. I call it a second wind that comes to you. In other words, whenever you are in a situation like that, you continue on. Now, there's times you need to rest. Don't misunderstand me. But and a lot of these times, he said, instead of quitting or, or backing off or stopping, continue on because if you do that, you're going to be renewed. You're going to have a renewal, you see. If you wait upon him, you're, you're going to mount up as wings of eagles. You're going to be renewed in what you're doing, but you've got to continue on to receive it, you see. It's in the going and doing that things happen. It isn't the sitting there saying, well, I'm waiting on it, Lord. I'm waiting on it, Lord. It never happens that way because, well, let's use Peter as an example. When he walked on the water, uh, if he wouldn't have got up out of that boat and put his foot in that water and started to commence to walk, would, would he have walked in the water? No. He wouldn't have, would he? 
it's in doing after we ask God for something, we believe it and we commence to act like we have it. And it's in that acting time that it happens, you see. That's what you call stepping out in faith. That's it really stepping out in faith. That's act of faith. That's works, you see. I'll show you my faith by my works, Paul said, you see. So uh, Jesus, what did he do when he healed people many times? Take up our bed and walk. Open your eyes. Uh, things like that, you know. Walk. Do this. Do that. Uh, he, he told him to do something, you see. And then he told him, he said, by your faith you've been made whole. So by your faith in Jesus and in his name and his word is how you receive what his word says. It's not on your strength or ability. You have to get out of this thinking what men said, people say, and what you think, what you experience, or what somebody else experienced. But this tunnel vision is to the word of God. See nothing but the word of God. Hear nothing but the, the spirit of God, what the spirit bears in your heart. Because you'll know when you're knower whether things are right or wrong. And you'll be encouraged. There'll be things happening to you. You'll sense things and, and learn to deal like that, you see, because God is trying to get us all out of the boat, folks. We're to be out of that boat and walking on that water because that's where you find God. It's on walking on the water. It isn't sitting in the boat. But it's in the walking of the water that you know you're God, you see. Okay? Literally, I'm not just speaking literally now. I'm speaking literally when the time and the occasion would arise, if the occasion would arise, but I'm saying doing the things that you cannot do, but God's doing them through you, showing you and showing the people around you, look at this, you see. Look at this. Look like a crippled man getting up and walking, or the blind man seeing anything like it, any acts like this. I've seen church buildings shake. I've, I've taught in one building years ago. I've used this testimony a lot. The only time I ever experienced it, that I was teaching in a... Uh, church one particular day that uh, I just had the prayer meeting that night for him and I conducted the prayer meeting and I was uh, in Acts chapter 4 in fact was about the shaking of the building and everything and right before I got there I just there a few minutes we were teaching and I started to teach on that thing and the building started shaking and uh, anyhow I said Lord what am I going to do and the Lord told me he said start to minister to the people so I started to minister and we seen a lot of miracles happen uh, one man was called to the ministry Ladies supposed to have surgery the next day and didn't have to have it. Other people were healed. And even it wound up that God told us, told me, to have the people go out in the parking lot there that had cars that weren't working properly. And I was to have them raise their hood up and go out and pray for the cars. And I did just that. And that was unusual. I never did it since that time. That was very unusual. But, you know, a few days later when we, that was on a, maybe a Wednesday, and on Sunday went back to church. And to make a long story short, they told me how their cars ran in. He healed their cars, you see. So, I mean, hey, uh, we just have to follow God. It doesn't make sense. A lot of things that might appear crazy sometimes, but God shows himself as God through us. If, if I just do things that I can do, is God going to get the glory? Of course not. They're going to say, well, Ed can do that. He's good at this. He's good at that. But when Ed does things that Ed cannot do, then, hey, hey, I know he didn't do that. It's impossible for any person to do it. Who's going to get the glory? And God wants the glory because flesh, flesh and blood is not the glory, but glory is in Jesus Christ. He's the only one who gets the glory, not us, you see. Okay, now, the next thing, and this is, this is what, where a lot of people kind of stop. They kind of hinge at this. But the Bible says in, in uh, Matthew verse, chapter 11, Verse number 12, it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence take it by force. Okay, that is a prime example of now. We're seeing things happen this age and this time that we have never seen before. I've never seen things go like they're going right now in my life. And I don't think there's anybody that's seen it. Now, things are happening, okay? But... We're being attacked as Christians, our faith, what we believe. We're suffering violence. They want to put God out of everything, take God out of everything, hate Christianity, hate the Jews, hate the Jewish people, destroy, destroy, take God's name out of everything, pledge allegiance. When you say a pledge allegiance, not a nation under God, take God out of everything and, and make light of Jesus and just do everything they can to destroy our faith. The kingdom of God, you know, kingdom of heaven is suffering violence. That's violence coming against us. 
but the violence taken before. So what comes against you? And I'm not talking about physical fighting necessarily at all. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. When things come against us that take from you and I, by spiritual warfare in the name of Jesus, we overcome these things. We don't let them put us down, you see. We take it by force. And taking it by force is through prayer and believing his word and, and daring to stand up and be counted. Too many people stand down this day and age Whenever uh, threats are out there, instead of rising up against those who are against us, they sit down and just take it. And therefore, these others, the people become stronger and stronger because there's no resistance. There's no resistance. They go, boo, everybody's afraid to say anything. So they just cow down. The preachers are afraid to preach what they should. The people are afraid to say anything. But God wants his people to stand up and give account of his words. Ephesians uh, 5.11 tells us to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but reprove them. We have no no process with them. We have no relationship, but we reprove them. We speak what the Word of God says. Lust saith, Lord, what's right and what's wrong, you see. Dare to stand up and what does God say about what's happening in this world, what the principles are, what people are doing, what they want to do, what they're trying to propagate. You see, if it's wrong, if it's against the Word of God, we need to stand up against it, you see, not go along with it or compromise with it or even go for it and be part of it out of fear. We have to stand up because the Lord tells us in his Word if you confess me before people or man, I'll confess you before my father. But if you don't confess me, I won't confess you. And you know what that really means? It doesn't just mean confessing Jesus and winning people to Jesus, which we need to do. We're supposed to do that. But there's other edges to that coin, other sides of that coin, which means my principles, he would say. You need to stand up for my principles. When people go against them, you need to stand up and be bold. What thus saith the Lord, just like Jesus did against Satan. Remember when he was tempted those four times? He tempted him to, to you know, he said, you can make these stones in the bread. He said, every man, he said, I don't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He used the word of God there, you say. He used God's word. And you and I have to be that way. We don't we do not do what he tells us to do, you say. We don't, he said, uh, and he said, if you will worship me and bow down, I'll give you all these cities. I'll give you this wealth. He said, only God will I wish to bow down to. No other gods before me. He said, only God. In other words, he made it loud and clear. There shall be no gods before me, and him alone do I worship. And we need to take that stand about the truth about things that are going on there, all this crazy stuff that's happening, abortions and things like that, horrible things. I'm not going to get into details, but a lot of it does not even have to be spiritual. It's common sense, a lot of these things. Uh, people have lost their common sense in a lot of things. It's not just spiritual abominations, but it's common sense that people have, have actually thrown away, and they've called evil good and good evil, like Isaiah 5.20 says, people in the day that they call evil good and good evil. So you and I are to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, so we need to say, thus saith the Lord, what the Word of God says. Do what the Word of God says. Act what the Word of God says. Show what the Word of God says. we got to let our light shine, not hide under a bushel basket in fear, you see. And if you've ever left your light shine, it's today. It's today because I'm telling you this. The devil's coming out there boldly, speaking all this perversion, evil stuff that's going on. And he's coming out like a wildcat, and you and I have to rise up like a wildcat because we have the greater one with us and upon us. Therefore, we can't be defeated. No weapon formed against us shall, shall prosper, the word of God teaches. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. No weapon will prosper. It might come against you, but it cannot prosper by God's word because they have to defeat God, you see. The Bible says in Isaiah fifty nine nineteen, when the enemy comes in, like a flood, God raises up that standard against him. And we are that standard, you see. God is the standard, and he does things sovereignly against him, and he's going to do it, and he is doing it. And you and I are part of that standard to destroy the works of Satan right now. I'm speaking this very hour. He's going to raise up with a standard. We're going to see some things happen here very shortly, folks. And I'm telling you, he wants to use you and I as a standard to destroy the works of Satan, too, because Jesus was sent to this earth to destroy the works of the devil. And you and I have taken over for Jesus right now. He's on the right hand of the Father. He's taught us. He's trained us. He's showed us. He anointed us. He's directed us. He's saying, now go for it. And it's time that you and I go for these things, folks. It's time that we go for these things because we want to be free. And that's in what this, this message really is about, to, to overcome and recover all. You have to uh, really stand like he did. And he had to fight, really. David had to fight to recover that all to get what he got back. 
he went in a physical fight and right there to get it. You and I mightn't have to do that type of thing. But he had a physical war with his hand, you see. He had to use weapons. So you and I have to realize there's times we have to take it by force and not be afraid to stand up and afraid of what the world's saying or what will people say, what will they think, what they're going to cost me. Oh, my, I might think I'm an oddball or, uh-oh, I'll get in trouble. I'll lose my job. I'll have no friends. Listen, if God is for you, who can be against you? And you lose people over this, I would rather lose what you thought were friends more than I would lose my soul. What's the profit of a man who gains the whole world but loses his soul? You see, Mark eight thirty six thirty seven says, what's the profit of a man if he gains everything but loses the whole, in this world but loses his soul? And I would rather have God on my side than approving what I'm doing than the approval of man. Man can't do anything for me, but God can, you see. God is the only one that truly can do it. So we need to have our priorities. If God is for me, who can be against me? You see, God is bigger than any man, any woman, anything in this earth. God created everything. All God would have to do is just wink an eye and everything would be gone. He wouldn't even have to do that much. I mean, God is all power, folks. And that's who's on your side. But he wants you to obey him. Now, the last thing I have right here, we need we have to be fighters because we're in a war. And that's something that's not understood. We are actually in a battle, in a war, a spiritual war. And I'm not getting into detail. I'm just naming some things here that are things that you need to pursue. But the last thing, which says we're to fight the good fight of faith and life. And you know what that is, fighting a good faith? It's not fighting people. It's not fighting the devil. A good fight of faith is in a simple thing, and I've said this so many times. Fighting a good battle of faith is taking the word of God and making that word a reality in your life. That's where the fight is. When you walk to make God's word real in your life, to obey it, to do it, to receive it, to be it, when you start doing that, that's when the war begins with you and your flesh, people, the devil, uh, you name it, everything, all hell breaks loose to do that because the devil says, hey, man, I don't want that man or that woman to be following God. I'm going to lose them. I want to destroy them. And they start following what that word says. I have no power against that, so i got to discourage them. I have to do something here, you see, to get them off that track. And that's why there's people that will backslide because circumstances, situations, discouragement, distractions, deceptions. The, the enemy comes in, first of all, to discourage. And if he can't discourage you, he'll distract you. And it can be something good he distracts you with, but it gets you away from what you should be focused on, right? If that doesn't work, he sends somebody around for deception to deceive you, to try to really get you off track. Because he's after you. He's after you. You're in a fight. And whether you want to fight or not, uh, it doesn't matter to him because he'll beat on you. It's just like a physical fight. The devil's going to come up to you, especially if you're really serving God and you're a threat to him. And you might want to throw any punches just cover your face, but that's not going to stop him from hitting you. You've got to fight back, and you fight back with the word of God in the name of Jesus and all the forces that he's given you, all the weapons he's given you, you see. You have the angels in heaven. You have the Holy Spirit. You have Jesus. You have the Father. You have the word of God. You have the name of Jesus. You have all kinds of weapons. You have all heaven backing you up, you see, as long as you're walking in that word. So that's what you and I have to Understand, we have everything there, you see. We're not fighting this battle ourselves. We're not fighting that devil. We're not doing anything ourselves. We have the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the enabler. He said, I'm going to send you a comforter, which he did through the Holy Spirit. And you see, what we've been over here tonight, what we're talking about is the difference between losing all and recovering all. Now, David was a fighter. He was a warrior, wasn't he? In fact, he's known for being a warrior. He wanted to build the temple and everything, but he chose his son to do that. You see, he was a fighter. He was a warrior. And you and I need to be fighters and warriors and things when it comes to the word of God. We're all called to be like that. We have different callings, but we're all in God's army. No matter what part of the army, what we're doing, that makes no difference. Still, we're in a war. We're in a battle. We need to recognize that. So first of all, are the few things we talked about here, in closing, first of all, we learned that David encouraged himself. Secondly, we learned that David inquired of the Lord. And then when he found out what the Lord wanted him to do, which he told him to pursue, he pursued, didn't he? And when he pursued, what was the total or the income or what, what happened to it? What did he receive? It said there was 
nothing lost. He recovered all. So he went from zero of losing everything by applying those strings, three things to his life. He recovered them all. He recovered everything. Now, how do we get from zero to 100? Well, first of all, we realize the challenges will come to our life. Don't be surprised when they come and get fearful, worried, or, or discouraged about it. Just recognize that you have an answer to it by the Word of God, and you're an overcomer by the Word of God. And don't leave that discourage you. Just cause that to encourage you more and to seek the Lord more and believe His Word. Okay? Be a self-encourager. In other words, you don't have to wait on the pastor or somebody else to encourage you. Learn to encourage yourself in the Word of God. Recognize the greater one is in you. I can do all things through the Lord that strengthen me. I have the authority over evil forces of the Spirit. I can do anything He wants me to do. And my weaknesses are made strong by His presence. My strength is made perfect. God says my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So my weakness is made perfect by God's strength in me. So I'm no longer weak. I'm strong. I'm not weak. I'm strong. Jesus' strength is made perfect in my weakness, so I'm not weak. I'm strong in the Lord. I'm strong in the Lord. You have to believe that. You see, I can do all things through Christ. And when you do that, you'll recognize that uh, you no longer are weak or you can't do things, but, hey, I'm an overcomer. You'll be willing to tackle things. You'll be willing to do things because through the Lord I can do anything. That's kind of an attitude, you see, anything that he wants me to do. And that's, that's the kind of attitude he wants. That's why he said, let the weak say I'm strong. Hey, I'm not strong, or I'm not weak. I am strong. I can do all things, you see. When you have that kind of an attitude, then when he does tell you to do something, and especially something which a lot of times are things that you and I can't do, then we'll tackle those things, and we'll dare to do it because we'll know that he's going to do it through us, which he does. And the next thing, recognize you take it by force, and that simply means you're going to have resistance come against you, especially the more threats you are to the devil, the stronger, the bigger the devils are that are coming against you. The more threats you are, the more the enemy fights you. So recognize that you're going to have a fight in your hand, but recognize you done won that fight. No weapon formed against you in that fight is going to prosper because the Lord's on your side if you continue to stand and believe that and act upon that. You can't lose. Just like, like Peter, he would not have sank if he wouldn't have taken his eyes off of Jesus and fear of the winds that were blowing and the storm that was going on around him. But he looked what was going around him. He heard the storms. Fear gripped him, and he took his eyes off Jesus, and what happened? He sank, right? But yet Jesus picked him back up. So that shows you and I we have to keep focused on Jesus Christ and not leave our circumstances, situations, and things distract us from what we are called to do and trust God to, to do it because he'll take care of it. It's in our walking ahead, believing him, not allowing our circumstances to be negative. It appears like they're crushing us. And going forth, many times you're going to see those circumstances healed and delivered and work out. In other words, if you tend to, to stop and try to work them out, it won't work for you. But when you continue on following God and obeying him, you'll look back after you complete your mission or you're doing your mission and you say, hey, that circumstance is bad. I don't have that anymore. Hey, that's worked out. Well, that worked out, too. How about that, you see? He works them out in the midst of that because they're in his hands. They're not in your hand fretting and worrying about and trying to do it on your own, which you won't do, you see. But it's in our obedience to him going forth what we're called to do, seeking first the kingdom and all these things are added to you. He takes care of your business. Amen. Now, can you beat that? That's an offer you can't refuse, isn't it? God is a little bit better taking your business than, than you are, isn't he? <laughs> I believe he is. He's proven that to me after 50 years because I've known him 50 years, and it's work, folks. And it gets gooder and gooder like the old expression, you know. Now, the last thing that we said was fight the good fight of faith. And that's something that we all have to do because none of us will arrive, folks. You never will on this earth. And I'll say this to you. What the Scripture says to you, what the Scripture says to me, you and I need to make it a part of our lives and act upon it and do it and be part of our lives, you see. So we're continually learning what the Bible says and what he's teaching us. He's leading us by his spirit. He's showing us things, and we need to be willing to do that continually because we get better and better at it, folks. 
We're like Paul. We press towards the mark of the high calling. You see, not as though I'm obtained, but he said, I'm pressing towards it. And that's what I say. That's my testimony. I'm pressing towards the mark. Not as though I've obtained it. I have not reached it, and I will not reach it in this earth. No man ever has. No one ever will, except for the Lord himself. He was perfect. But no man in this earth or woman will be that way. But we will be pressing towards it. We're going to get better and better and better every day if we dare to do that, you see. So, okay. There's some things here I tell you you need to listen to this again. You need to meditate on this and apply this to your life because I'll tell you something, it's worked for me, and it's getting better and better. I've had a long, a lot of years of things. I've went through a lot of things in a lot of years. And, folks, I can actually be a testimony. My wife can tell you the same thing to you. I can testify what God has done. He's doing more and more and more. It's becoming greater and greater inside. I mean, I'm... I'm experiencing things now that I never experienced before. It's just a newness of things. It's just like a whole new world. You know, you could say, well, you've been in ministry a long time. Yes, but I don't care if you've been in ministry 100 years. What God is doing now, everybody feels like they're just brand new, and I feel like a new babe because we're in a whole new season, a new time, a new thing. There's a scripture in Isaiah 43, 18, and 19. It speaks of there's a new thing that's happening. He said, don't you see it? And he said, I'll put... You know, rivers in your desert, and your wilderness, I will, I, will, uh, I will show you in the wilderness. I'll make a way in your wilderness. So where your wilderness is, I'll make a way, and I'll put rivers in your desert. So I'll show you which way to go, and I'll provide what you need while you're there and how to get there, like finances, people, whatever it is. So whatever I've called you to do, hey, I've given you an, everything, and I see the thing as a completed, successful mission. That's the way God does it. Everything he calls you for, he sees it done, and you have all the supplies. And he's even going to show you how to build it. All you've got to do is put your hand to it, right? He's giving you everything. Okay, I want to have a prayer for you all tonight. And it's because I'm going to tell you something. This is a message that I don't think there's anybody listening to this or will listen to this. It was much worse shape than David. And we see what David did. And this was back in the Old Testament. This was the Old Testament. He didn't have uh, the Bible back in the Jewish uh, schools, things like that. But we have the Holy Spirit, the age of the Holy Spirit, the latter reign that we're in right now. We have everything going for us. He didn't have all these things going for him. Yet he dared to believe God, didn't he? Yet if he did this with less than we have, we have a better covenant than he did. How much more and how much better do we have it, you see? So there's absolutely zero excuses for us not to be victorious and recover all, no matter what happens. Determined that I'm going to recover everything that the enemy's tried to steal from me and has stolen from me. I'm going to recover all, and I'm not going to allow him to steal anymore. I'm not going to give him an inch anymore. I'm going to be vigilant about this thing. I'm, I'm not going to be passive about this thing. To say, I'm to be on the offense, not the defense. I'm going to take territory from the devil. I'm on the offense to take territory, not just block and blows. I'm going to go in and tear some things up with the devil. That's the kind of attitude that you and I need to have because God will show us how by the Holy Spirit leading us what to do. So I'm going to have a prayer right now with you all, and I want you to receive that. And I want you to receive what the Lord is saying to you because he has various things he wants to tell everybody here. I can't tell you what he's going to say or what he's going to do in your life, but I can tell you if you open your heart up right now as I pray, and let him minister to you. He's going to direct your life. He'll show you what to do if you really mean business with him, and you will be able to do those things, whatever it might be, whatever he wants of you. But I'm going to pray right now, and I'm just going to ask you to open your heart and just leave him minister to you right now by some of the things that we have said right now, and even some of the things we did not say. But I want you to open yourself to the Lord right now and just let him minister to you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this short time that we've had tonight to share your word. Father, I thank you that you give me words to say, and I thank you that that uh, you're speaking to the hearts of the people here, Father. And I thank you, Father, that people are listening and are hearing this. And I would, I would just ask you now, Father, that you would clear the minds and hearts of the people and cause them to recognize you and what you want out of their lives because you have a plan for each one of their lives. And, Father, I would just ask you to move upon their lives right now and to direct them and just have your way and your will in their lives, Father. 
and direct their pathway. Let this be a new beginning for people. Let them repent. Repent of anything that's wrong. And first of all, receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And Lord, if they're backslidden, if they've not done what they should be doing, if it deals with their hearts that way, Lord, repent of it. Let them repent of repent of it and as they repent of it, reestablish them, Father, that they'll become strong warriors for you. Yes, your strength is made perfect in their weakness, Father, and show them your strength. Show them your strength in their weaknesses right now as we're praying. Show them your strength in their weaknesses right now as they'll recognize your very presence and their love that you have for each one of them. Now, Father, I just thank you again. I thank you that you're ministering to them right now by your presence in a soft, pleasant voice in their hearts, Lord, that you're ministering to them, but they know it's you. Yes, they know it's you ministering. And help them to obey you, Father, and all that you speak now to those who have heard this word. And, Father, for all that's accomplished through it, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. Which in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. I know God is dealing with some hearts, and it's very, there's a spirit, it's a very tender spirit right now is dealing with hearts. He's dealing with hearts, and say yes to him. That's all I can say is just say yes to him right now, what he's saying to you. Just to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. Just allow him to have, have you. And if you have any comments or if you have any questions, uh, you can see this online. If you're online on the computer, uh, write them on that, or I'm going to give you my email address if you have any comments or questions or anything, too, because I'm here to help you, to serve you. That's what this is all about. And I'm going to give you my email address uh, right now if there's anything that, that you need to say or anything, because I, I'm sensing some precious things from the Holy Spirit, and I, I need to give you this opportunity. Okay, my, my if you have your pencil, uh, I'll give you a minute to, to get that down. But it's extended, E-X-T-E-N-V-E-D, extended hands, H-A-N-D-S, of Jesus, O-F-J-E-S-U-S, at yahoo.com. And they're all small casings. And I'll repeat that. Extended, E-X-T-E-N-D-E-D, extended hands, H-A-N-D-S, of O-F, Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, at yahoo.com. That's my email. I want you to feel free to email. Is there any comments, questions, or prayer requests, or what have you? But if you need to get in touch with me, please do that, because I have people contact me many times about things, and you certainly won't be the first. I do much communication all over the world, and uh, I just wanted to share that with you because I'm here, and I, I don't know what what all happened in life, folks. But towards the end, as I was praying, there was just a tender spirit that came forth there, and. He's dealing with some hearts right now. I do know that for sure. So just obey him right now, okay? And I'm going to sign off here because it's more important what he's doing with you now than what I would have to say, but I'm giving you this opportunity that I gave you to contact me also, okay? All right, that's everything I have for tonight. And Lord willing, I will be back in two weeks again with another powerful message that will bring you closer to God, get you set free, and help you because that's why I'm here. That's why this is here to help you first of all know the Lord and live for the Lord because that's what we're all about I love you now you have a blessed evening now and we'll see you in two weeks good night everybody <laughs>